0: Hello listeners, welcome to episode number 82 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. We are recording this at the Peabody Institute for Higher Learning. We are sponsored by the Carlisle Foundation. We are here with myself, Joshua L. Cannon, and my co-host, Mike Brown. How are you doing, Mike? I am doing quite wonderful. How about you? Um, well... I just fucked a hooker in the back of the studio for $40 and some blow. So I am feeling on top of the world. Good for you. Good for you, Josh. Do you think that do you think that we'll get more <laughs> do you think we'll get more listens? Doing it like this? Do you think that No. I'll tell you what, this American life is rated number I think like it's either like that or Joe Rogan podcasts are all constantly yeah. battling for number one on iTunes podcast. So, I- so it's two different uh, extremes. I figured we'd appeal more to Rogan's uh, fan yeah, base. Yeah, like the
1: super, super uh, conservative, you know, type thing with the This American Life. And then, and by conservative, I'm not meaning political party. I'm meaning like conservative in a different way. Okay, there are two different things. <laughs> um, And the Joe Rogan podcast where he's all, you know, foul mouthed and whatever.
0: <laughs> so yes this is uncovering Unexplained explained mysteries no we don't normally talk like that i don't know what that was i was at my gig tonight because we're recording this podcast a little on the late side and i thought mm-hmm. you know what that would be a funny way to get into the podcast is to make fun of ira glass <laughs> um <laughs> yeah that'll get you far um
1: so Although, yeah. it would be nice if we you know saw that even just a shred of that kind of success oh yeah right if i could stop being a fucking
0: karaoke dj god it's it's, it's, it's an easy job folks it's easy as pie it's a
1: job but it's it, i don't have a job my job is college yeah just getting really tiring yeah well right now. <laughs> it, my my life is getting old too on
0: that front i'm tired of uh tired of going to these <laughs> damn gigs I, th- I think the problem is all my all my gigs that I go to are slow I mean I don't know if any of you have I mean I'm sure you have so it's slow dancing no not slow dancing I mean <laughs> as in I'm standing in one spot for hours and hours on end with oh with, so
1: it's like when I worked at the movie theater as the ticket taker
0: yeah like no mental stimulation yeah spending all my time on my phone because there's nothing to do like the gigs have been slow Uh, recently and there's nothing worse than a slow gig because it just even though it's only about three or four hours it feels like a eternity yeah yeah
1: so watching unsolved mysteries on your phone
0: yeah i can't watch. i can't do anything with audio unfortunately so it's all got to be visual stuff yeah i I do have to mind the the music you can't
1: you can't watch unsolved mysteries without audio like that's i mean
0: that it's just then it's it's uh pointless you know without I mean that's why the revamp didn't work you know no stack no stacky no thank you um so yeah this is a podcast about um unsolved mysteries but we're also online you can join our group at facebook.com if you type in uncovering unexplained mysteries it's a very thriving organic family group and I mean family as in closeness not as in family values because we're a bunch of foul mouth bastards on there. it's not
1: family friendly no
0: not at all <laughs> nor is this podcast so if if this uh, offends you then please for the love of god turn it off and, and, and listen <laughs> to something else because it's only going to get probably worse i can't say for sure but i'm assuming um we have a fan page but uh you know honestly the fan pages on facebook are a real joke um i recently made a fan a group page for my band and you hear the excitement in, the vo- in my voice as i light up with glee <laughs> Uh, if you want to, if you like my music, Dancing with Ghosts, um, you can join my new group. Uh, just go to Facebook and search Dancing with Ghosts, and uh, the group should pop up. Half my face and half Stephanie's face. Uh, it's going to be our new album cover for our new album coming up, and hopefully about a month or maybe less, maybe a few weeks. I don't know. It just depends on how much time I have to work on these songs. So, uh, what have you been up to, Mike? Oh, you know what? I, I've been meaning to ask you something, and a lot of other people, I think, have been
1: wanting to know, too. Whatever ended up happening with your damn uh, driver's license shenanigans? Haven't really, been, haven't really done that much with it. Just been too busy with studies at, uh, for college and things like that and other stuff. So, yeah, haven't really gotten around to doing it. I think maybe in the summer, maybe do some more driving lessons and stuff, but, yeah, it's just one of those things. There's some drama going on at home and a few other, you know, and then the whole heavier workload for college and, yeah, stuff like that. Damn, that sucks. I I had a good day today. I I went in and I I tried on some new frames. Uh, I'm getting some new glasses because these glasses, I can't stand it. Like, I need to adjust them, like, every month, it seems like, and it's just not. And the guy, when he adjusted them, he made them too tight, so now my left ear is, like, sore, so fucking annoying have you ever considered getting lasik no i don't have the money for that <laughs> is it like super uh, expensive yes it's it's pretty expensive and okay. I, it's the idea of i don't even i can't even stand the idea of contacts putting stuff in my eyes with that a laser i don't know shit could go wrong and i, I don't know if i'm a fan of that um plus you know with my with the car, with the, the scars I have from my car accident, like glasses actually look better because it kind of, you know, directs the attention away from the scar. But I, I, I own it though, because, you know, it's there it is what it is. You know, it's something I carry with me. And I also went to, uh, JC Penny and then I, I got a really good deal on a bunch of stuff. Like I got a couple new shirts and then I got some nice new jackets, uh, some stylish jackets. So I'm trying to look a little bit you
0: want to know something Snazzy. crazy? Like, my friend back in high school, he went to a uh, Goodwill or some thrift store, mm-hmm. and he found um, the exact same type. I don't know how he found this shit. He found the exact same ja- uh, Michael Jackson jacket that was used in the music video for Beat It. Like, wow. the one with all the zippers. The red one with all wow. the zippers. Yeah, he found that exact same type of jacket. I mean, it couldn't obviously, it wasn't Michael Jackson's jacket, but no it's like how like what at the? goodwill yeah like how the fuck do you find <laughs> that's like I, I i thought that was just the one jacket you know like i didn't know they mass produced them the
1: closest stuff you know i found like brand new uh athletic shorts to the tag but that's about as close as i can get you know to that kind of thing of finding clothes there although you can find some nice stuff there if you if you you know if you look it's just one of those like you want to look type thing you know, yeah, you got and you got to go like every and week. sometimes eh, I mean sometimes it's just the 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 way that they have things set up. So there's their t-shirts like this one Goodwill like it's on the bottom shelf and it's just a pain in the ass. Like, what am I like am I like 4 years old? Like I I'm going to have to be on my knees to check out all these t-shirts. What the hell. Should be on a rack somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, I'm- where, where adult-sized people can, you know, look through them.
0: I'd mainly like to go to Goodwills nowadays to get like score a good deal on some like retro games. But now that everybody is into- they're
1: online, they're on their website, They're Google, you know, Google Goodwill, like Goodwill sells stuff on uh, their own website because you Google Goodwill auction or something and you'll find it. Yeah, so they, they have their own eBay, basically, and they sell stuff on Amazon
0: now. Yeah, the demand for all that stuff has gone up so much that everybody's
1: on top of it. Like, I think I just bought a very good copy of The Meteor Man (laughs) on Amazon from a Goodwill somewhere. Um, Because I'm I'm thinking about, because everyone's talking about how the Black Panther is like this revolutionary, first ever black superhero movie. And then I'm like, wait a second. There's The Meteor Man, Blank Man, Spawn, Spawn uh steel Blade.
0: steel if you want to consider that <laughs> yeah if you want to consider that a
1: fucking it's a movie
0: <laughs> they committed something to celluloid so you know <laughs> technically it's uh there dude spawn speaking... uh, spawn is badass like he deserves uh a, a, a well the movie's not that badass no the movie
1: is like a, a really lame secret for me because when i was a kid my mom my mom didn't want me to watch PG thirteen films, but my dad, you know, was willing to take risks, so he took me to see Spawn and Mortal Kombat Annihilation. So it was like this la- the lamest secret ever. <laughs> it's just like, oh yeah, I gotta keep this a secret that I saw Spawn in the theater. <laughs> then,
0: then you decide to keep it a secret just because you didn't want people knowing that you saw <laughs>
1: such a shitty movie. Well, that hey. Hey, that's better than dragging my dad to see Kazam. Okay, that's even worse. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, I heard
0: the Black Panther was, is, is like, uh... Hey, it got, like, a 100% rating on like, Rotten yeah. Tomatoes for, the, like, the first... Until
1: there was, like, one guy who's, like, uh... Who just wanted to be controversial and just made a bad review. But anyway, we'll probably get more bad reviews if we don't shut the hell up yeah. and get to the Unsolved Mysteries. Probably right about that. Um, so... so- so speaking of stuff that's committed on committed to celluloid, I would guess that this show was committed to celluloid. The this is the case of Richard Ralph or Ralph. Um, no, no relation to Ralph, the dog, from the Muppets. That would be really crazy if he got involved with in some fraud scheme. There, and just frauded, that's, defrauded the Muppets. That's some kind of like <laughs> nasty
0: bestiality thing you've put into my mind now. Thank you for that.
1: What I said, fraud.
0: You said no. You said it. no relation to Ralph the dog on the Muppets. Of course, he's a human, and the dog, the dog's I, a dog. I know. I was just now. I'm thinking of bestiality. Thank you.
1: What What is wrong with you? That was Why that did he was, automatically go to bestiality. Well, I had to
0: counter your your incredibly sappy dad joke with some perversion. That's what. <laughs> that's what's happening here. <laughs> All right. I got so. Uh... <laughs> I could see my grandpa being like. Richard Ralph, no relation to Ralph the dog from Muppet <laughs> Babies. Oh, here's a corner behind your ear.
1: That's <laughs> uh. okay, Mike. You're trying. So uh, on September 9th, 1992, Joanne Ralph of Phoenix, Arizona, came home from work planning to spend the night with her 11-year-old stepdaughter, Heather. Her husband, Richard, had left that morning on business so she assumed, but when she got home, Joanne found a note from him stating that Heather had been picked up by grandparents, by her grandparents after school. However, Joanne found that Heather had not been at either place. She searched and found that several clothes and luggage were missing, along with some credit cards. Uh oh. <laughs> she still doesn't know where Richard and Heather went, and Heather's mother, Penny Nickel Ralph. Really, Penny Nickel Ralph yes oh, rest, oh name it's, it's, the hyph- it's
0: hyphenated okay penny yeah, Nickel but still. Ralph.
1: yeah okay. uh, really so her mother penny nickel ralph just wants to find her of course at the time he vanished richard was being investigated for embezzling more than a million dollars from his employer brown wholesale electric company in phoenix this is where it gets he juicy was- yeah, he was an industrial controls manager and oversaw production of his electro- electrical designs. He often requested checks from Brown Electric to pay for components, and one of the suppliers is an outfit called AdTech. And I love how this is the late... This is the mid-90s, and uh, the, this episode aired in 95, so people were still using typewriters. So, you know, when, the, when he asks uh, the person who's working there to write out a check for AdTech... They're typing, out, the camera zooms in and you see the old school typewriter that types out ad tech. Yeah, yeah, I like that. So Joanne worked as a bookkeeper and was thrilled at the apparent success of business. And because of the success, great amounts of money came in along with a change in Richard's lifestyle. He bought expensive cars, uh, expensive property, and he threw parties for friends and the money kept rolling in.
0: Yeah, one of those parties he was there, uh the one of the friends, or I guess former friend, was describing on the segment. He was talking about how he brought he uh, Richard bought some property like out in the you know out in the country or something like that, yeah. and he had this this like cabin, and he invited like everyone I guess from the w- work out there, uh-huh. and they like he he had horses for every single person, and they went on like this two or three hour nature trail sightseeing thing and then they, when they returned back to the cabin they had like stakes waiting for everyone with a live band playing yeah it was crazy and uh all the all the all the liquor you could want you know and the guy was saying yeah this party had to have cost you know a few thousand dollars at least you know yeah and that's 1990s thousands which is like yeah. you know double or triple that nowadays yeah. money
1: so so this is this is pretty insane and it's one of those things that's like, if you are getting away with stealing this much money, I would think you would not want to draw attention to yourself.
0: Well, this guy, is like, cl- really? this guy clearly, um, he let the greed take over. He probably did it once just to see if he could get away with it, and he just, he saw that he got away with it, and yeah. then he just like let the greed take over, and he's like, you know... Well, we'll we'll get to what he actually ended up doing, and then I'll yeah. talk more about. That.
1: Um, I I want to say I want to mention this too. I thought the actor who played Richard Ralph in this segment, I thought he was just fantastic, perfect casting. Yeah, I thought it was a good performance as well. Um, I totally bought the performance, and uh, and I bought the character that he was playing. It wasn't one of those like, oh, it's an actor who's just acting. Like it, it actually felt like it was natural. Yeah,
0: the the, the actor the actor choice was really good. Just as big old fat balding guy with the, the cul-de-sac hair pattern and, gl- and you know those yeah. 80s and the stash glasses yeah. and the mustache and and you know yeah he but
1: he was he was a really yeah he was a really good actor though like for sure good choice so um then on the morning of May 20th 1992 the office manager of Brown electric became suspicious and she checked adtech's bank and discovered that the Ralphs were the names on the bank account and there was other stuff that was pretty suspicious too. She looked back at the checks and saw that on the back there really wasn't any like stamp or something or stamp of approval. Yeah, I'd like to. It
0: was, I'd like to like go into this part a little more because yeah. uh, the lady's name was Kathy Robrecht. R- uh-huh. Robrecht. Well, it's a German last name. I can tell you yeah. that much. But yeah, she was. Um, So she was the office manager and, and she was like the one who would type up the checks. And so he would, Richard would walk into the office, you know, per the uh, reenactment. And he'd be like, yeah, uh, you know, ad tech, uh, I need a $10,000 check for them, you know? Um, and she's like, okay, uh, you know, for, you know, for what? And he's like, you know, parts that we need. And she's like, okay, Mm -hmm. I'll just type that up. And He had, I guess, that position of trust and power in the company to where he could just go and do that. And And it's
1: crazy to me. Like I remember when I first saw this segment, I was like, how the hell is he getting away with this? Like, he's not even being that shady about it. It's just like...
0: Well, in a lot of companies, (laughs) and and, and, and I don't know a lot about big companies, but I do know that, that certain people can get into certain positions to where they're... Because I think my mom used to do this for for Bacardi. She used to work for Bacardi bottling mm-hmm. or Castleton oh, beverage. Oh, interesting. Yeah. She worked there for like almost 20 years, I felt like. But she was in a position to where I think she would order stuff for the company. And um, when you're put into that position, you have to be very trustworthy because it's, it's very easy for you to take certain liberties sometimes. You know, like the only thing she would ever do was she would use her if she was ordering like massive quantities of something from Office Depot, she would use her rewards card to place their order, so she would get the re- you know okay. all those you know, reward that, points. That's not
1: that bad, yeah. Compared to this, so <laughs> I mean, th- this guy she's not stealing eight hundred
0: thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, this guy would just literally—he made up this company, AdTech, and he made up another company too, and he yeah, just yeah,
1: ICDs.
0: <laughs> yeah, and he'd just go in there and he'd tell how much you know, oh, I need a check for this amount and that amount, and and they would type it up, but then. It started getting suspicious because she asked him why don't we just set up an account with AdTech and they can pay us directly and yeah, exactly. and he goes no no they're they're a small mom and pop you know they they can't they can't wait the 2 to 6 weeks for the yeah. blah da, da blah businessy stuff that I don't understand but I got the the gist of it and mm-hmm. she said when when he was you know off putting about setting up an account directly with the company AdTech that's when she got suspicious that's when she started looking at the checks and looking at the uh the invoices and how there was a p.o
1: box but there was no physical address that's the one yeah that would be like an immediate like oh okay we've been had because there's no fucking phone number there's no phone number address it's a company and it, it has the address but there's no phone number like that's a red flag immediately the whole thing with the stuff on the back of the checks that it, it just has some like uh this says for, stuff for deposit only and
0: yeah for deposit no, only you know company stamp or, or there's no. there's nothing like that um and she had a friend who worked at the bank and she had her friend um see who who that that account actually belonged to and it came back as belonging to Richard and uh his wife uh Joanne so it, yeah. it belonged to them so then the boss you know boss man comes in and this, I love this reenactment. This was it's a great, great scene. He comes in and he goes, uh, you know, just the uh, people like to narc on the, the acting. I guess narc isn't the right word. They like uh-huh. to they like to, you know, just make fun of the acting on a knock, the, the acting. They like to knock the. Yeah, acting. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. Narking is when you fucking dime someone out for dealing drugs. <laughs> anyway, um, there's plenty of that. You knock. Yeah, plenty <laughs> of that on the show, too. But but, I you know, I mean. Then there's, like, a classic, so it's, like, we we mainly talk about the good segments. Um, mm-hmm. We don't really talk about the so bad it's good segments. We leave that for other podcasts to talk about. Although
1: we, we've done that before, too. We've done
0: that, but it's, like, a con- <laughs> it's, it's a wink and a nod thing. Like, yes, yeah. we know this show isn't perfect, and there's some dumb shit in here sometimes, but the mo- for the most part, it's scenes like this that really uh, draw me in. So his, his manager comes up to the door, and he's like, hey, Richard, um... I talked to you about ad tech. What do you know about uh, you know What do you know about them? And he's like, Oh, it's a, um. And again, the actor is great. He's like, Oh, it's yeah. a small company, and um, you know, out out in in the the east, or southeast or something like that. And he's like, uh, What do you know about the um? Or have you ever been out there? He's like, Um, uh, no, I, I've never been out there. And
1: he's like, Well, he's like, I haven't been out there in a while. Yeah, I haven't been out yeah. there.
0: Why? He's like, uh, Do you who have you ever met the owners? He's like, No, no, I've never met the owners. And then the boss goes. Yeah, well, did you know the owners are Richard and Joanne Ralph? And then he just kind of like looks down at the desk and he just kind of like shrugs his sh- like he just shrugs his shoulders like yeah, well, you caught me, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, I
1: love it. It's so great. And, and
0: he's like, give me, th- give me the keys to the company car. You're fired. <laughs> and he just like takes the key out of his pocket like, well, well fair enough. Yep, I mean, yep, you know, yep, yep, <laughs> well, I did spend me. did spend like two million of your uh, company dollars, so I could be understand why you would be a little pissed
1: <laughs> off right now. Um. Yeah, it's just his reaction was classic, cause it was just like, "Well, all right." Yeah, yeah, like, darn. I guess that's that a good run. I guess. Uh, oh shucks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, can I can I just like write one more check for ten thousand dollars? Can I have one more ten thousand dollar check, please? Oh, I can't. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this guy got so greedy, you know, like he 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 probably did it once. And, you know, he was getting all kinds of accolades from his wife because his wife was like, wow, you know, like your your, your company's doing really good, you know, keep it up. And, you know, he's he's affording this lavish lifestyle and he's able to pamper his friends with these parties and this, that and the other. And, you know, so I'm sure that uh, it was it became an addiction like like, you know, any kind of.
1: Yeah, just like uh the the TLC show I've been watching again, My Strange Addiction, which is just nuts. Yeah, I
0: don't even want to think about that stupid show. <laughs> like, I, where do they find these fucking people at for that kind of crap? <laughs> like, Jesus. It almost makes me think it's scripted like Jerry Springer or something where it appears real. No,
1: I think I think it's real. Yeah, I don't know. It's real. I you would I'm not surprised some people have serious psychological uh problems and they find weird ways to cope with it. Yeah, their and, I mean, and I'm one of
0: them, but I don't collect weird
1: shit, you know. I mean, I, I don't well, Some know.
0: people might say some of the CD. <laughs> no, nobody would say that. No, but only vinyl purist douchebags would say my <laughs> CD collection is weird. And I I I, honestly, anyway- I don't want to know those people anyway. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Richard was fired that day, but he remained free as the police began their investigation and determined that during the scam he took about half a million dollars uh uh actually they said specifically it was over 800,000 total and then he started a second fake company called ICDS which I have no idea what that stands for icon dollars sweet <laughs> <laughs> icon dollars and savings yeah um so the authorities prepared an indictment and he planned his disappearance because ICDS was responsible for embezzling uh two hundred and thirty something thousand dollars. And
0: again, this is this is like early to mid nineteen nineties money. So like double or yeah. triple
1: any of those figures. And that's like more money than either you and I are probably ever seeing our life. Like, I mean, eight hundred thousand. Geez, Mike, wait way to limit me in my
0: horizons. <laughs> Do you really think you're gonna see eight hundred thousand dollars? <laughs> I might see it. I won't be in possession of it, but I might see it. I might happen to pass yeah, by yeah. an armored car yeah, that's yeah. opened up and see it. But no, I will. I ever have possession of that
1: money? No, absolutely not. Unless you win the lottery, which I, I don't. I wouldn't want anyway, honestly. Because uh, you just uh, worried you just blow it all. And, I I and just I I gifts, feel like
0: pe- I feel like drugs. I feel like to a certain degree. There's got to be a, like a little bit of challenge in life and, and, and sometimes the challenge gets too much for a lot of people, but I feel like winning the lottery is just literally like for a lot of people who don't know how to handle being wealthy, it fucks them up mentally and there's a lot of horror stories from people yeah, winning the lottery. I know,
1: but I, I definitely wouldn't see my, because I know about those horror stories and the kind of stuff that I like to get is not expensive. I'm not the type of guy who's going to buy 50 Lamborghinis or buy a mansion or, you know, buy a yacht or get addicted to drugs. It's not or, really like, about give that. Money, it, it's more, give money to like, uh, relatives that just show up out of nowhere. Like, that's, Oh, i your yeah, like, that's third more... cousin or whatever. Like that, that wouldn't happen either.
0: Yeah. You say that now, Every, everyone says that, but then when it, when it actually happens, um, things, things change,
1: you know, and, No, I'd be like, get out, get out, get out of here. I don't know who the hell you are. Yeah. I know pretty much everybody in my family. So there's nobody that would show up that I would, I would not really, I mean, if it's somebody I know, it would just immediately be like, sorry, (laughs) close the door. What are they going to do? They can't sue me. They can't have me arrested. It's my property. They just,
0: they start hating you. You lose all your, you lose a lot of your friends and family. I don't give a shit. (laughs) <laughs> i i th- i mean no. i think in that aspect i might be all right to honestly because like i don't really care either most of the stuff i like doing and this is gonna sound incredibly pathetic but most of the stuff i like doing <laughs> is like by myself alone anyway yeah so. same
1: thing for me yeah. for the most part i might have a friend of mine move in but that's about it oh to and your mom's house no i mean if i had my own place because oh, oh, okay. you know that would get my own place i would buy a house win a lottery buy my own house buy a house. You know, get everything off my Amazon wish list or whatever. And get stuff moved from Michigan storage. You know, get stuff moved out of this house. And you know, I, I'd be I'd be good, man. Would you maybe invest in you more buy, into my YouTube channel? You, you know, buy, buy a, a nice camera, like a super, a red, amazing camera or something. You'd buy a red. Have you seen those red cameras?
0: Dude, those things are like <laughs> just the accessories for the camera are like
1: $8,000, $5,000. I mean, if I could afford it, you know, fuck it, why not? <laughs> I mean, would you have that like you can experiment with stuff like that more. Um I could even rent it out to you. Or I could buy you one. <laughs> oh, so so generous. So, um he started this fake company, uh, two fake companies. He made purchases and he took out cash advantages totaling $25,000 in credit cards, which is chump change compared to everything. It's all the money he embezzled. And then on September 9th, he and Heather vanished. That's another thing that really upset the 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 fraud thing. That's upsetting. But you took the you took the kid like, fuck, man. Well, I mean,
0: it was his kid and, and he was with, you know, the 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 girlfriend or whatever or is his his second wife or whatever it wasn't her kid you know it was his but bi- yeah, i know but still
1: but. still i mean i i could i mean like you don't want to subject your child to that kind of uh life on the run type shit that's not no well that's why he's he's a it's not it's not it's not the same as the baskins but you know it's a whole other story that's why
0: he's a bastard because he wasn't thinking of any of that before he started like getting these 10,000 well yeah. I'm sure in his mind, he was thinking, oh, my daughter will have a better life because or
1: maybe it just added up. Like maybe he did wasn't even counting how much money he was embezzling. It just became this sort of thing where it's just a cycle and you just you just kept doing it. Yeah. A lot of times, like if you
0: shoplift frequently or if you're taking money from a company, a lot of times they'll and this is kind of I don't I don't know. It seems a little sh- spotty on the company's part. But this actually happened to my friend back in high school. Gather around, everyone. Old man Josh has some more stories for you. My friend uh, Josh... Actually, I probably shouldn't say his name, but... Josh. His name's Josh. It's not me. Interesting. I've had a lot of... I've honestly... I've had a disproportionate amount of good friends named Josh... Uh, more than any other person with their same name probably has had. That's gotta
1: be confusing. I've had like four
0: (laughs) best friends in my life named Josh, believe it or not. It's crazy. You're hanging
1: out with all the Joshes and then it's just like, hey Josh. Well, when, when two, no, (laughs) when
0: two Joshes get together, we become more powerful. (laughs) So that's because two heads are better than one. But anyway, my friend Josh worked at Hollister back in high school and, um, he, he, Hollister. Yeah it's a clothing any relation to clothing company the clothing company yeah that's what it was, oh. it was a clothing company anyway he worked at hollister and
1: um you know pe- oh i thought his last name was hollister <laughs> no
0: anyway he worked at the at hollister and um you know kleptomaniacs it's a real addiction stealing is a real yeah. addiction i've I m- myself i've never obviously like i hate stealing i i, I just i'm that's have you done it before maybe like i did it like one time did i already tell the story i think i already told the story on this podcast about how i stole a guitar pedal i don't remember that uh well i I stole a guitar (laughs) pedal one time from this backpack at my school and yeah it, they made such a, felt really guilty about it after not really but uh the the church because i went to a private christian school so it was like a church it was a whole academy oh, or whatever man you got a guilt trip now well the, the church started <laughs> like they they announced it during like chapel they said that like because apparently it was some foreign exchange kid and that's like some of the only shit he had in his life and Oh, no. Blah blah blah, and they're like, you know, whoever stole it needs to, you know, return it. And I think I, I think I, uh, I, think I told my friend Michael, who was the preacher's kid, and Michael was like, dude, you really need to like put that thing back, cause like they're they're starting to, you know, they're starting to <laughs> accuse you and this. I don't know what the fuck. I think he was just saying that to get me to return yeah. it. But I felt like, I mean, I I didn't enjoy the experience. It wasn't. I mean, now I if I want something, I just buy it, you know. Just buy it. Yeah, But anyway, my friend, going back to my friend Josh, he would be working at the cash register at Hollister and and the customers would go and give him money and he was a fucking klepto. He loved stealing and he was damn good at it. He would steal something like right in front of the teacher like he'd just go Wow. And just put it in his bag. He was just so good at it. Like, there's a uh, an art to it, and he was amazing at stealing. But So he'd steal stuff right in front of
1: the, the manager, not the teacher, right? Is there a teacher at Holster? No,
0: but, yeah, it's like... The, <laughs> so Josh, in his, you know, 17-, 18-year-old uh, omnipotence, he, he didn't see any cameras in the store, so he thought there weren't any cameras in the store, dumbass. Um. <laughs> So when the customers would give him the money for their, their shit, he'd just take the money and he'd put it under his big-ass cell phone. He had one of those sidekicks or something.
1: Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. And then he'd just slide his cell phone in his pocket, and he thought he was being smooth. Well, the first time it happened, the company didn't confront him about it. What they did, and apparently this is a typical practice, they let him dig his ass deeper and deeper into, into the ah. dirt until one day the lost preventions guy came in and and just rained down on his world and uh you know these lost prevention people are, are really like psychologically they know how to they know how to get in your head and he was like uh-huh. interrogating him and he was playing like good cop bad cop and he was all nice and stuff and then out of nowhere he's like well let me tell you uh why I'm here Josh and he goes you know I know that you've stolen over it was like a couple thousand dollars because he, he kept doing it Um What an idiot. Yeah, well, you know, he just I like Did you stop being friends
1: with him after that?
0: No, he he would never steal anything from his friends. He'd only steal from like the
1: school or like businesses and shit. Like he wouldn't steal from his friends. That's interesting. Like he has a line he draws in the sand. Nah, not gonna steal shit from my friends, but I'll steal shit from anyone else.
0: Yeah, it was just it was (laughs) never my bag, you know. I just never I, I never I just felt awful like doing it like I mean the guitar pedal thing I I didn't know who the person was. It was, you know, so that's why I didn't feel so bad. If I had seen the person and knew him, I, I, you know, it was Mm -hmm. all I saw was a backpack sitting there with stuff in it, you know? And even though it didn't belong to me, I thought that, I don't know. I was kind of like, I guess being friends with him, like influenced me to do that because I was like, well, Josh steals. (laughs) So maybe I should try it, you know? And
1: maybe this Josh should steal, (laughs) but that's, you could just be like a, a new, uh, uh, like the new butch and sunday <laughs>
0: we're both joshes and we both steal shit but my whole point uh, was like sometimes these companies let people dig themselves deeper and deeper into well, a that hole. that does make sense so maybe they did that
1: here but maybe not it doesn't seem like they were that i think it, i think it. in this
0: particular case they they clamp down on them as as soon as they notice the discrepancy
1: but a, mm. a lot of times they they will let you So he, uh, on September 9th, he and Heather vanished. He is wanted for two counts of fraud and two counts of theft. In 1993, Joanne was granted a divorce and was exonerated of all charges. In 1994, Penny received full custody of Heather. However, they still have not been found. But there's an update. In uh, September of 1998, Heather saw herself on the Unsolved Mysteries website, which must have been a pretty jarring and awkward experience can you imagine that can you imagine like just yeah just browsing through the w- internet come across unsolved mysteries website that's me holy shit
0: well i mean it couldn't have been why it, am i on here it couldn't here? have been that <laughs> shocking seeing as like she was 11 years old when yeah when she was when she up and you know vanished you know mm-hmm. so she she must have known that like
1: unless he tried to brainwash her or something
0: well even then she must have known like people are probably going to be looking for me at some point you know like i i I, I, if the kid was like four or five then yeah it would probably be surprising but i'm sure that it wasn't that surprising and i'm sure living with that guy in the constant state of fucking paranoia that he was probably in wasn't (laughs) any kind of picnic either
1: no So she saw herself on the website and contacted her minister, who notified the police. She was later reunited with Penny. Richard was arrested, tried and convicted of fraud and theft, and sentenced to 10 years in prison. He was released in 2003. Which isn't exactly 10 years, is it? (laughs)
0: No, not really. uh, Some of these sentences on this show, man, I'm
1: like, I'm really like, man, it's not... Well, he was sentenced to 10 years. That happens sometimes. They get sentenced to a certain amount and then they don't serve you're the full right there's term. like
0: good behavior and all this other kind of stuff but that's what i'm saying like like a lot of these shows in the past made it seem like you know you do a b or c and you're going away for a long time but shit man sometimes
1: seeing the you could steal eight hundred thousand dollars and you only go to jail for like a few years yeah well i'm sure uh I'm- but his credit is probably fucked. well not only that but i'm
0: sure there's some kind of like wage garnishment or restitution oh yeah for sure that has to be paid back because yeah all right, ain't no such thing as a free lunch in this country
1: nope so the next case is one that was uh requested by uh eddie romero yes eddie we've been talking about him way too much lately <laughs> It's the Eddie Romero podcast. Eddie, Eddie is uh, <laughs> Eddie
0: is like um, the guy from the Bordello murders segment. The uh, the mm. cop who who becomes a fixture at the yeah. uh, at the the part the sex parlor. Yeah, that's Eddie on this podcast. He's becoming a fixture. He's hanging around too much. He's we found him in our <laughs> cash box counting our money, and we're like, Eddie, what are you doing, man? He's like, Yo, don't worry, I'm just just making sure everything's all right. No, I'm just joking. Eddie's one of the <laughs> nicest people. Yes, he is. You will ever meet. And,
1: so uh, yeah. this ca- this is the case of Dorothy Donovan, and the- this is a this is a good one. So thank you, Eddie. Yeah,
0: this was a good case, and um, the the son Charles uh, who is involved in this, my heart hurts for this guy. Oh yeah, I mean, me- good me God. Me too. The the
1: the actor who played him in the reenactment, he reminded me of Patrick Swayze. Like he has that same kind of drawl kind of carries himself the same way. But Charles himself, he, he and I'm not even
0: making any joke or any light of this. Like, I really do think that he's on, on some, on the spectrum of uh, autism, uh, the autism yeah. spectrum. Somehow. He's got some, that's a possibility. He's got, uh, he's got something. There's something uh, not quite right with this guy. He seems a little on the slow side. If, if this is going to be kind of a obscure reference But he, if anyone's ever seen an interview with Brian Wilson, the beach boy, Brian Wilson, Mm -hmm. and they've ever heard how Brian Wilson talks and his mannerisms, same exact way as this guy. He's very like, Mm -hmm. you know, on the slower side, but Brian Wilson was a fucking genius, go figure. Um, Some kind of savant. Anyway, um, at around midnight on June 22nd, 1991, a factory worker, Charles Holden, was uh, leaving a fast food restaurant. I love it. I love it on the show how they say <laughs> fast food restaurant. <laughs> Can't
1: tell what who it is. Don't want to get sued. <laughs> yeah. Don't have permission.
0: Yeah, not only that, but they call it a fucking restaurant. Like they, get, yeah. they give a McDonald's like some dignity. It's like, you know, a restaurants, well, a restaurants a stretch.
1: Yeah, well, uh some McDonald's lately, they've really remodeled some shit and it actually does look like a restaurant. I mean, yeah, they but couches it's and stuff and the, all this other stuff. At the end of the day, it's still McDonald's though. Yeah, it is still McDonald's. And that's what's interesting. I walked in, I had I went to McDonald's recently and had a nice it was a nice chicken like uh sandwich It had like pico de gallo and guacamole. It was pretty good. Wow. But fancy pants was Mike, inter- here. Yeah, but what's interesting is the the juxtaposition of the remodeled mcdonald's with like the modern architecture and the touchscreen uh order uh thing a piece of technology and then you have these the people who go to mcdonald's are still the same kind of people (laughs) so you know it's like lower middle class and I'm not trying to be mean or anything. I'm just noticing these, this sort of, cause I, I'm, I'm basically being forced to notice more things around me by my writing teacher for creative nonfiction. He's like, just, you know, always be thinking about, you know, what you can write and look at, you know, your surroundings and stuff. And it, 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 it it's, it's a starting to, to definitely, uh, kick in because it's one of those things oh okay i'm noticing more things that i didn't really notice as much before so you're saying cuz you like you're in your own bubble you know you go out and you go out to eat like you're kind of in your own sort of bubble sometimes you're just like uh, i'm just here in this uh booth eating my food you don't think about everything else around you
0: yeah so, or, so you know what's going on pretty much robots are making a patty melt right in front of you but you still have someone wearing a shirt that says who pooted on there <laughs>
1: yeah. that's surely gonna happen like in the future if it's robot yeah yeah we're gonna get people of walmart people of walmart coming in people of mcdonald's
0: yeah they're really interchangeable people of walmart and people <laughs> of mcdonald's are very much interchangeable anyway getting back to story here um around midnight june 22nd 1991 factory co uh, factory worker charles holden was leaving a fast food restaurant when a stranger came to his truck asking for a ride Uh, The man said that his sister was having a baby and that he needed to get to the hospital. Charles first said that he couldn't because he lived just a few blocks away. But eventually he changed his mind and agreed to take him for a certain distance down the road.
1: The reenactment here is excellent. Yeah. Uh, It's shot well.
0: (laughs) The guy... The guy that... Okay. This is like... This has got to be some kind of a stereotypical, like overly like hyped up black man trope of the I thought this guy was like Urkel
1: or something on crack.
0: <laughs> well, it, it, it almost reminds me of like those black exploitation films of the seventies yeah. where you have like the black like gangster or thug being like, Yo man, uh-huh. give me your purse right now, Jive Turkey. Like it yeah. Like that 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 was exact same mannerisms of this guy and um But
1: he looked like Urkel.
0: <laughs> he did kind of look a little bit like Urkel. <laughs> but but I just thought uh but uh, they i think the segment was going off of the information that they had about this guy yeah. that he was this really they, they
1: did a really good job i mean the composite you look at the composite the actor they chose looks looks almost identical to the composite
0: yeah i just think it's it's kind of funny sometimes how that how uh, uh, occasionally how unsolved mysteries will like portray thugs you know and not not yeah. always just like black people but like thugs of any kind on this show like they portray uh-huh. them in a very cartoony way sometimes but come to find out this uh guy this random person who approached this charles holden guy was uh on drugs they they suspected so uh-huh. i don't know maybe it was crack or some kind of thing that gets you all hopped up but yeah like crack is whack crack you know? is deadly <laughs> this is crack this is crack <laughs> <laughs> we're referencing a Pee Wee herman crack psa oh that's so great we should play that shit live on on you i might i might insert <laughs> that in uh god we are just getting off fucking topic i see why people don't like this podcast now
1: i, I no i think i think there's still some t- way it ties in like the whole stuff with the shoplifting ties in with people stealing money and the restaurant ties in with other stuff way to tie things but, um, together
0: for us mike but um yeah so anyway, yeah, this guy's like, yo, man, my, my sister's having a baby. I got to get to the hospital, man. And, and and the other guy, Charles, is like, oh, well, I, I, don't, I don't know if I can do that, man. I, I live right down the road. And uh, uh. Eventually, he, like, kind of talked him into it. And so Charles drove the stranger three miles down Highway 14. He stopped at an intersection when, where he would normally turn to drive home. And he told the stranger that this was as far as he could drive him. And the stranger became angry and attacked him. Now, what was really happening was, like, in the reenactment, he's like, well, this is, about, this is about as far as I can go, you know? And he's like, no, man, I told you. I need to get to that hospital. Oh, well, I mean, I told you I could only take you a certain way, and my my, my house is, you know, pretty close, so. Uh, he's like, yo, man, I'm not getting out of this truck. You're going to take me to that hospital.
1: And, yeah, and I, I, I love the the quote that, that, they, that, that they had the guy say, um, because I, I thought it was uh definitely uh i, I just thought it was kind of the way it was written like i don't know if that's actually what he said but it, it just seemed like this is totally like some you know scripted thing you know it's like man look man i got a problem yeah <laughs> look i need this truck now give me the truck <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot more
0: motherfuckers and <laughs> yeah. cracker-ass bitch uh, thrown in there for good measure. But this is unsolved mystery, so they couldn't—they uh, couldn't exactly have that. Can you imagine Robert Stack, you know, describing the exchange. Well, thankfully, like uh, that, uh, co- uh, because of <laughs> basketball, we do know how that would sound. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So anyway, the stranger started uh, attacking Charles, and uh, Charles, Charles took the keys smartly and uh, forward-thinkingly. He, he took the keys out of the ignition, and he ran out of his truck, and um, the assailant chased after Charles, and Charles ran up to this, like, store and was trying to knock on the window, and, you know, nobody was there. I guess the store was closed, and the, the assailant's like, yo, man, who are you trying to contact? Ain't no one in there, you know? Like, you're going to give me those keys or some shit like that. Yeah. And uh, eventually... Um, so it was Chris Tucker, <laughs> yeah, something like. Uh, no, this guy was so overly animated in this segment. It was like, but uh, you know, again, apparently he was on, on drugs or whatever. Um, at that point, he said uh, he would take him wherever he wanted to go. After the assailant, you know, was uh, like he he brandished a screwdriver, yeah. um and he was racing towards him, and he was like, "All right, all right, all right, all right, all right I'll take you where you, you know, wherever you want to go." And so Charles knew that he had to act fast. So as soon as he got into the truck, he did what, what I always like to think I would do if, if I was in this situation. He pr- But you probably wouldn't. But, yeah, pro- knowing me, you know, probably wouldn't. It takes me at least like five or six deaths on a video game to master some <laughs> hard part. So I would imagine in real life, in the first run, it wouldn't be pretty. But Charles yeah. gets in the truck and he speeds the fuck away before the assailant is able to get into the vehicle. So after leaving the scene, and this is like, this is anyone's worst nightmare, what I'm about to describe. After leaving the scene, Charles began to drive around in the opposite direction of his house, trying to shake off his experience. When he finally started to return home, he noticed the stranger was lurking around his home. This is just terrifying. He drove away again. To call the police at a payphone and again you you, you gotta think if technology was more advanced would this whole scenario been avoided because he had to drive and find a damn payphone Mm. and uh, so a police officer went with him to his home and uh, that of his 70 year old mother Dorothy Donovan who lived in a farmhouse behind his Um, they checked around his home and they didn't find anything then they, he, while the cop was still there, he's like, hey, you know, can you check my uh, mother's house? Because she lives right behind me. So they went up to the back door and they found the back door window had been broken. And then they walked inside and he called to his mom and there was no answer. There was, and then there was blood inside the house, too. They went upstairs to, to her bedroom and found her dead. She had been brutally stabbed to death.
1: Like, what, like 16 times or something? Yeah, it was like... like, It was
0: was an absurd amount of times. To the face, to the chest... the neck, yeah. Nothing had been stolen from the house. At first, authorities suspected that
1: Charles was responsible due to his bizarre story. Which is understandable. I don't blame the police for, you know, looking at him first.
0: Yeah, um... You know, they thought he had concocted an elaborate alibi, and... You know, I I do want to chime in at this moment again, um, because usually uh, a lot of times in the past, um, black men are kind of thrown into, like, fabricated stories, because Mm -hmm. I think there's a belief that if you just say, oh, oh, a, a black guy, you know, came up and you know, I saw a black guy and blah, blah, blah. There's there's a thought, or there was a conception that the police wouldn't, I guess, take it as seriously or care as much. Mm -hmm. Um, Only after interviewing people at the fast food restaurant did they realize that this black man did exist. And they also found physical evidence in the house of two different types of DNA, and neither were Charles. Um, So... He was cleared as a uh, suspect from that. Um, yeah, and, and Charles, you know, he was quoted as saying, you know, and God, you're just your heart just breaks for this guy oh, totally. on camera because he's like, you know, so fucking innocent. You know, he's not,
1: he's not like angry. He's. I mean, can you imagine being in that situation? No, I mean, no, I cannot. That just, <laughs> <nor> <laughs> that's I honestly to. a much more terrifying situation to me or scenario than like ghosts or UFOs or bigfoot or or the chupacabra you know yeah for sure because this is definitely something that is more closer to reality i'm not saying that ufos don't aren't 100 not real i do not believe that we are alone in this universe i think that is just a bunch of bullshit um it's not it's not possible in my opinion uh logically to really think we're alone we're the only living uh you know things in the universe I, I don't I don't I don't really see that um and with ghosts and stuff you know yeah I could see why but you know until I really see one it's kind of hard for me to be like whoa yeah but I, I do I do I do buy some stories of people it's
0: said. because of shows like it's because of episodes like this shows like this where I would always I would leave my house with like and go out and hang out with a friend when I was younger and I, I, would, yeah. I would I would like
1: this is this is real horror.
0: Like I would wonder, like what if I came home and my parents, who meant so much to me uh, growing was, up, you know, what if they, yeah. what if they were dead? I mean, they still mean a lot to me, but you know, as you yeah. get older, and it was
1: just so crazy how this happened. It was just a coincidence. He just stumbled around and found was just walking by, yeah, it was just around the area.
0: And and, and uh,
1: Charles, you know, comes in and he's... Like, the luck, man. The just shitty... Well, the lack of luck. ...luck that this guy had. I said shit Yeah, I said the luck. Shitty luck that this
0: guy had. He said, this whole story seems like a big nightmare to me. It's kind of like a dream. You, you don't think it really happened. You'd think you can just drive up to Mom's house and she'd be there. But I know that's not gonna happen. Uh, <sighs> and then they interview his two sisters and you know, they're saying stuff like, you know, I can understand and I could accept it if it was a car wreck or, or a health issue. But this is just, you know, this is just unbelievable. This doesn't happen, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so at first, police suspected Charles of the murder. But then they found the witnesses and all that and the DNA. Um, the stranger is described as being in his late 20s and early or early 30s, 5'8 with a slender build and pot pockmarked complexion. And he wore plastic frame glasses with
1: oversized lenses. Uh, authorities, I swear, like I saw some of the same type of lenses and frames at the at the eyeglass store. Like th- some of this shit's like coming back, man. These 80s, 90s. Oh, it wouldn't surprise frames. me. Everything, everything is
0: cyclical. It all comes back eventually. But I, I did not know what the term pot marked skin was until I started watching Unsolved Mysteries, and I actually had to Google that shit. <laughs> um, I had never heard that term before—a pockmarked complexion. I heard it before. I think it has to do with the acne, yeah, and stuff like yeah, that, like Yeah like the acne scars or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, um, the results of this case—it it was solved in February 2006. DNA evidence at the scene, along with the uh, bloody palm print on the banister, identified Dorothy's killer as Gilbert Cannon of Delmar, Maryland. <laughs> uh, uh, hey, Gilbert. <laughs> hey, Gil. What you doing, buddy? I thought we were family, man. Why are you killing people? You guys are crazy son of a bitch. Um, Cannon, God, that sounds weird to say. (laughs) Cannon had previously served time for a 1997 murder. Prior to his release, DNA was collected, which was used to connect him to Dorothy's case. He was arrested and charged with first-degree murder. He told authorities that he was on drugs at the time of the murder and was looking for a place to stay. Furthermore, he said he chose Dorothy's house because it was the first one he could find that didn't have any lights on. He pleaded guilty to the murder and was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. God damn. Good.
1: Apparently, uh, this case was also featured in Forensic Files. And uh, his mugshot, he looks happy.
0: Yeah, it actually does. <laughs> he, he looks happy does, that he
1: got arrested. It doesn't look anything <laughs> like uh, the composite, actually. But he's also, he's smiling, and he's older.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, you know... He, and he has a beard, he's, uh, so yeah,
1: it's a different... He's a
0: friendly-looking guy. He doesn't look
1: like the kind <laughs> of guy that would uh do this. It kind of reminds me of Sam Jackson a little bit, the Samuel Jackson kind of vibe. Nah, I don't know. He he does look like a cannon. He does look like
0: one of my no no I just <laughs> He is one of my relatives now. Um My parents would have a lot of explaining to do. Um
1: Yeah, Josh, he's like your the you know, cousin. He's your fifteenth cousin. <laughs> Somehow. Um Well now you can join the club of uh, unsolved mysteries uh criminals that had the same last name. Because there's one for me too oh. and his name actually is Michael. well brown. i mean you know jesus and it's actually the same middle initial you, you know michael you, w brown you, you have
0: such a just a damn uncommon name mike i'm surprised you know that somebody else no
1: i know but really there was i would i would think that it'd be more more you know michael or mike browns on unsolved mysteries not just one guy
0: well i mean if you get a bad enough grade on one of these exams there might be another murderer named mike <laughs> mike brown <laughs> That'll never This happen. is some Why bullshit. I, I studied my ass off for this exam. You're going to change Fuck that you. grade, motherfucker. Uh, Mike, please put down the stapler. Please put down the stapler. Get off my desk. The whole class is watching, Mike. Don't do anything stupid. Shut up. I bet you liked Waterworld. I don't mind Waterworld, so that
1: doesn't work. Oh, really? Wow.
0: I went for the first bad movie I could think of. Let me think. What's what's one movie that I can think of off the top of my head that you really hated recently? Uh, oh, I bet you liked uh, this new Star Wars movie. Uh, <laughs> that's not really a fair one though, because that's that's that hasn't been out long enough for your hate to really brew. Uh-huh. What would you yeah. What would you say is one of your most hated movies of all time?
1: The RoboCop remake, oh, which I like okay. to call
0: RoboCop, oh, because they took because they took your favorite movie and they uh-huh. desecrated it. Yeah, that's understandable. Yeah, this was a brutal. Uh, this was a brutal segment. I understand totally why Eddie wanted us to do it. Uh, I probably would have chosen
1: this some sometime down the road. Um, just crazy. It's brutal, but it also has some things that are are you know that it has the unsolved mysteries charm, or even some of the you know brutal segments have these like just corny but endearing moments like the the guy was like I got a problem
0: yeah the guy the the character they chose to or the the actor they or the way they portrayed the guy was just uh kind of you know entertaining I
1: should say because it was so cartoony we got a uh cracked out Urkel over here (laughs) Did I do that? <laughs> he, yes, he you gets did. done stabbing the old lady. And he turns around and faces the camera. Did <laughs> I
0: do that? <laughs> they get they get to the house and all they hear is like this faint polka music coming from inside uh, the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't uh, it wasn't Urkel who did it. It was uh, what was. Old, uh
1: Stefan. Stefan,
0: yeah. (laughs) Stefan. That was so I forgot all about family matters until until just right now, thinking about that was such a I loved it at the time, but looking back It
1: didn't start out with being the Urkel show. Oh I know. It was just a normal sitcom. That was so goofy
0: though, how he would take that potion and turn into Stefan and Yeah. You know Jaleel, like the guy who played the actor who played Urkel. You know he relished every time that they wrote Stefan into the script you know he just relished not being that nerd you know and being that ultra smooth talking guy (laughs) that Laura really liked dude I'll tell you what I'll tell you one thing right now um Myra the chick who was always after him and he was never interested in Urkel was a dumbass Myra was (laughs) Myra's like gorgeous she was, like, supermodel hot. Like i was pretty fine. Yeah, I'm, like, sitting there looking at... I'm, like, fuck Laura. Look at Myra. They, like, dude, Myra, like, wants your nerdy wang, and you're worried about Laura. I mean, yeah, Myra was a little on the dorky side, but shit. That's why, again, that's why it was so unrealistic, because there's no way... Uh, <laughs> uh Never mind. I'm just. Not, I'm not even gonna go there. But yeah, I actually, I, being the creep that I am, I actually looked up the actress who played Myra on Family Matters. Um, uh, she she actually died of like some kind of cancer oh, in wow. 2003. Which Is she rests in peace. Yeah, it sucks because you know we might have had a chance if she had lived. Not not really. No chance. Yeah, no no chance. Um, let's see. Oh, we're at 113. Shit, we should probably uh throw in. Uh, throwing a news of the bazaar in here or something do you have anything? i do i have i have a whole backlog of uh all right news of the bazaars that we haven't gotten to uh if you guys want to consider supporting us on patreon um it's patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries uh there are various bonus tiers and benefits and etc etc um for those of you who want to do that just figured i'd throw that plug in there while i Looked something up. um We got a DB Cooper thing in here.
1: Did we already talk about DB Cooper like a thing? DB Cooper thing. This came out
0: November nineteenth, twenty seventeen. I don't think so. Geez, I can't believe okay. twenty seventeen is already over. <laughs>
1: seems like we
0: like seems seems like that's still like a new year. <laughs> like twenty sixteen seems very over. That seems very much over. But twenty seventeen.
1: Still. Well, it's still only February, I mean, in 2018,
0: so... uh, So, then, I don't know if this is really News of the Bizarre. It's just kind of an update. Um, FBI releases a 1971 letter that D.B. Cooper sleuth says could be from uh, Notorious Hijacker. I guess I could
1: take this, and then you can, like... There's another News of the Bizarre you can take.
0: Yeah, I actually was listening to Coast to Coast <clears throat> AM the other night, and, uh, that you know, that you, you kind of take that show with a grain of salt, but uh, George Norrie <clears throat> had some guy on there... Who is, was is is and was absolutely adamant that not only is DB Cooper still alive, but he's on Facebook and he <laughs> and he uh, he doesn't he's he's got an attorney and uh, this guy was supposedly in talks with DB Cooper's attorney and DB Cooper was supposedly about to fully cooperate, um, huh. but he had one condition for the uh, researcher before he would cooperate and that condition was that the researcher divulge his sources of how he found out so much information about db cooper and the researcher w- refused to do that and db cooper was like no dice man i'm not gonna cooperate with you
1: i i don't buy a story at all nah. like this, this it's like it sounds like on that show there's a lot of people who are just like high as a kite and just call up George
0: Norrie has piece. his job is not easy because he has to sit there and entertain these fucking lunatics yeah. for like three or four hours, however long the sh- however long the show is. I love the sh- uh-huh. I love the show to death, especially when Art Bell hosted it. I'd love to have Art Bell on this yeah. podcast too. But yeah. um, George Norrie has to sit there for like two or three hours and be
1: like, "Oh, that's fascinating. Really? Huh? <laughs> you know, what? <laughs> wh- Robert Sack if he, he was still around, if he was." If he was uh... If he was a bit younger, like if he was born like a couple, you know, like if he was like in his 40s or something now, like I could see him doing that kind of it would like some Unsolved Mysteries thing on a podcast and he could just be like, yeah, OK, all right. It's very interesting.
0: <laughs> uh, I could just see Robert Stack like
1: giving you that brutal
0: Robert Stack glare. And it's so powerful that even though it doesn't make a sound, the listeners still know he's giving that look over-the-radio airwaves. (laughs) Like, you're just listening to these, like, bullshit people who see fairies and all this other kind of stuff, (laughs) and then you just hear this silence, and then you just sense in your gut, oh, ooh, Robert Stack's giving him the stare right now. Ooh, (laughs) ah, it hurts.
1: (laughs) So the FBI releases a 1971 letter that D.B. Cooper sleuth says could be from D.B. Cooper. Newly released FBI documents pertaining to the D.B. Cooper hijacking case include a letter that may only deepen the mystery surrounding the notorious unsolved crime, which marks its 46th anniversary this week, which is in 2017, and November. So it's not really this week. I knew from the start that I wouldn't be caught, says the undated typewritten letter from a person claiming to be a man who said that he had a bomb and commandeered, commandeered a Northwest Airlines flight from Portland to Seattle on November 24, 1971. After releasing passengers and crew members, the man then ordered the pilots to fly to Mexico. Only the parachute out the back door somewhere over Washington's rugged, wooded terrain with $200,000. I swear, I don't know who D.B. Cooper is, and I don't know where he is either. <laughs> I didn't rob Northwest Orient I just because I thought it would be romantic, heroic, or any of the other euphemisms that seem to attach themselves to situations of high risk, he said. I'm no modern-day Robin Hood. Unfortunately, I do only have 14 months to live. The carbon copy letter was turned over to the FBI three weeks after the hijacking by Washington Post, the New York Times, the Los Angeles Times, and the Seattle Times, which were each mailed a copy and published stories about its contents. The letter was in an envelope with a greater Seattle area postmark. Unsolved Mysteries of Seattle Last month, the FBI released a copy of the letter that was sent to the Post in response to a Freedom Information Act lawsuit brought by the acclaimed DB Cooper sleuth, Tom Colbert, a Los Angeles TV and film producer. He believes the letter is real. We have no doubts from Cooper, and the reason is that he cites the reason is that he cites he left no fingerprints on the plane. That's the reason. The reason that's critical because it's absolutely true. And apparently, I'm in critical condition right now with the way my Lips are just moving so slowly or so terribly right now. Must be too much mountain dew ice. Might as well
0: call this this segment Josh and Mike's Bad
1: Reading Corner. <laughs> Why you want to stay in school by Mike and Josh. <laughs> there were no prints found in the back of the plane, Colbert said. They found eleven partial prints, that's all sides, fingers, tips, and palm, but no prints of value were found. The FBI wrapped up its D.B. Cooper investigation last year without identifying the hijacker or ruling out the possibility that he could have been killed in the treacherous jump. The FBI says it considered 800 people suspects. The FBI also never established the authenticity of the letter to the four newspapers, or for that matter, the four other letters that also purported to be from the hijacker. Those letters were sent a few days after the hijacking. Looking at all this information and seeing, you know, the infamous sketches and stuff, I'm like, why have they not done another D.B. Cooper movie? Like, I think they did one in Lifetime or something, but that doesn't count. Uh, like, a bigger budget one like with Leonardo DiCaprio playing D.B. Cooper or something. <laughs> um, I, I just don't think it's did, like a mainstream enough case. It's still a great case, and I think it would make a great film because it's just so interesting.
0: Yeah, I agree, but, you know, pop culture
1: is... I mean, they're making a Chappaquiddick film that's coming out this year pop culture is shitty now what you know what can you say <laughs> i wouldn't go that far i mean there are some things that aren't shitty but yeah they they're, they're, there's it's buried there's it's buried
0: shit. under the shittiness though that's the unfortunate thing the the good stuff is buried <laughs> under the the
1: more heavily yeah, the only other db cooper movie i can think of is a movie from the 80s that had like treat williams as db cooper the FBI got its biggest lead in the case in 1980 when a young boy walking along the Columbia River in Washington found a bundle of rotting $20 bills whose serial numbers matched the ransom money serial numbers. My life has been one of hate, turmoil, hunger, and more hate. This seemed to be the fastest and most profitable way to gain a few fast grains of peace in mind. The let letter sighed. Letter said. Letter said. Say it. it side. Side. <laughs> I don't blame people for hating me for what I've done nor do I blame anybody for wanting me to be caught and punished, though this can never happen. The person wrote that he could would not get caught because he wasn't a boasting man, left no fingerprints, wore a toupee, and wore putty makeup. They could add or subtract from the composite a hundred times and not come up with an accurate description, the letter said, adding, and we both know it. The person who also wrote this said he was not holed up in some obscure backwoods town, and he was not a psychopathic killer. As a matter of fact, I've never even received a speeding ticket, the person wrote. So he's like that guy uh, who just decided one day I'm going to steal all this money from my bank and then just go off somewhere else. Yeah, that guy. FBI agents in the field appraised FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover of their investigation into the letter. According to other documents, FBI turned over to Colbert along with a letter. Efforts were made by the Washington field office to preserve the letter and envelope for latent fingerprints, read one of the documents, an FBI memo. However, both were handled by an unknown number of individuals at the Washington Post prior to being obtained by the WFO. Real
0: professional.
1: Yeah, that seems to be a theme too with some of this stuff. The memo also said that the agents couldn't figure out the significance of the type number 717171684. Opposite the name Wash Post in the bottom left corner, of the letter. Funny story. Another memo. Funny story. Seven one seven one
0: seven one six eight four was the original title for uh, eight six seven five three zero nine Jenny by Tommy Tutone, <laughs> but but they just couldn't fit it into the chorus.
1: He's D B Cooper. Seven it one was Tommy seven one seven
0: one <laughs> six eight four. or
1: just didn't have the same ring. He was D B Cooper. He's 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 the it he was, he was the Cooper the whole time. That doesn't make sense, though, because it wouldn't be the right age.
0: Well, Tommy Two-Tone did like wearing blazers up until at least the late 2000s, and he did wear his sunglasses inside. I know this because I met the the fucker, and he thought he was a fucking rock star. Oh, you actually did meet him? I did, yeah. I don't know if Grandpa Josh has told this story before either, but (laughs) I played in a cover band way back when, and we played at uh, this one venue, and um, we opened up for uh, Tommy Two-Tone. And uh, he was in this on the side of the uh, venue, uh, behind the building, doing God knows what. I'm guessing some kind of drugs <laughs> or something. And uh, I walked up to him at one point, and he like gave me the most limp handshake ever, not really making eye contact with me. And he's like, "I'm Tommy," and then he just kind of like walked away. <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, well, first impressions mean a lot. People, don't be a dick." Act like you give a fuck that you're there. That that's good advice for for
1: everybody. Don't be a dick. Yeah.
0: I mean, one could say that the uh, the Bible could be summed up in that that phrase.
1: Yeah, that's just instead of by the Holy Bible, it's just written uh, written in gold on the front. Don't be a dick. Exactly. By God. Well, that would be the Josh <laughs> Cannon version of the Bible. You open up.
0: Don't be a dick. And. Um, I mean, and then I guess to me, if I was sticking true to the Bible, then I would then, I would have another chapter dedicated to like all the shit that you'll burn in hell for, which is everything. Yeah. Well, we just pissed off a lot. (laughs) 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 I can't stop. Can't stop me. Oh man. I feel bad though for that, that we got a review recently where someone said that we like harped on Christianity too much and they wanted to like take a break from our podcast and and they said they they like adored us and you know, kind of that's unfortunate you know, because uh, I I feel like we kind of like make fun of everybody. I'm
1: trying to be the balanced guy you know I'm not passionate. it as much as this guy over here. Hey, I I grew up in it man <laughs> I I I, ha- I feel like I have a right. But I don't blame I don't blame Josh because he grew up in it. I was
0: steeped so. I was steeped in it, and uh, I I feel like the bible much like any other religion or anything there there are things about it that you can certainly use in your life i think there are great um uh little um what are they proverbs or little yeah little uh allegories in the bible like uh to get uh to have friends you must shoe yourself friendly or whatever you, you know, that's a great one you know basically saying if you want to
1: have friends you got to be a friendly person you know like or the whole thing you know just love your neighbor you know love one one another you know respect each other you know that kind of stuff i mean although seems like that seems to be forgotten about by a lot of you know not everybody who believes is like that but there are some people who are bible thumpers and are really big into the bible and they just misinterpret that you know it's like judge you know judge you know don't judge others unless you be judged yourself oh well and you know that be...
0: people like that they they pick and choose you know what verses apply to them so so yeah. if you try to call them out on that then they'll have an, another bible verse that they, they throw back at you that you know justifies yeah. their shitty way of being and also
1: it's another thing it, it's it's a cop-out for a lot of people they could just be like oh it's the lord's way or god's gonna take care of everything or he's gonna do this and that and yeah it's kind of a trigger for me right now i don't <laughs> want to talk about
0: but. yeah you got shit going on with your stepdad and his uh, ultra religious
1: ways eh yeah that's gotta be rough so um so in another memo agents in seattle requested that the fbi lab determine if the paper on which the letter was written could conceivably be from government stock noting that it resembles a carbon copy of the airtel material used by the field offices don't know what the fuck it said i need a translator I don't work at the FBI. Since January, the FBI has released more than 3,000 documents to Colbert, who who formed a volunteer team of 40 former law enforcement officials to investigate the hijacking. The FBI said in court papers that it has more than 71,000 documents that may be responsive to Colbert's lawsuit. Colbert and his team believe D.B. Cooper is an individual named Robert Rackstraw, who flew helicopters in the Vietnam War and is, is now 73 and living in the San Diego area. Now that is consistent
0: with what the guy on Coast to Coast AM was saying actually that he was a Vietnam hmm. guy, a Vietnam vet. Oh, yeah, so that 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 does kind wow.
1: of uh... Wow. <laughs> wow. The wow <laughs> signal. Just turn it to Owen Wilson. Wow. That does that
0: actually does sound <laughs> kind of like Owen Wilson. That was, that's a pretty good impression. <laughs>
1: In March, Rackstraw sent the judge presiding over Colbert's FOIA lawsuit a rambling nine-page letter that the judge took to be a motion to intervene in the case. In its letter, Rackstraw said that he was not D.B. Cooper and accused Colbert of ru- ruining his life. That just sounds like something D.B. Cooper would say. No, I'm not D.B. Cooper. And, and you're accusing me of being D.B. Cooper, that's ruining my life. Yeah, probably isn't D.B. Cooper. Uh, the judge responded to the letter by issuing a ruling that rejected Rackstraw's motion. In July, Rackstraw sent another letter to the court in which he again said he was not the hijacker. Rackstraw sounds like a name of some villain from some Chuck Norris movie or something. We're missing in the action four. You He's better not stop. piss
0: off the boss, Rackshaw. He's known to break a man's <laughs> <Rackstraw>. jaw.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's I, you know. well.
0: I mean, the thing is, is like they.
1: I don't buy they, this. I I, th- I think T.B. Cooper died. I really. Well, they did. don't have I a body though. That's the thing. And and like I mean, I don't know. I think he died in the woods, and animals or whatever ate his body or something. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't want to get into the whole
0: DB Cooper uh, debate, but I just figured that might be Bigfoot. Intri- yeah, Bigfoot
1: killed yeah. him. So this next Pacific Northwest, you know, he crashed and in- yeah. <laughs> In the woods. So, this next article is. uh,
0: (laughs) This is a news of the bazaar, right? This is a classic news of the bazaar. And the look on his
1: face is like. You know it. Yeah, Yeah, I did it. Exactly. What are you going to do about it? The name of this
0: article is Police End Interview After Suspect Won't Stop Farting and it is this <laughs> smug looking black guy and he's just like yeah that's right yeah sm- bitch smell my thought, to quote the, to quote the late great chuck berry by the way have you have you uh have you ever heard of those uh tapes those chuck berry tapes that were seized by no. the, oh yeah yeah the 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 uh renowned uh chuck uh chuck player guitar player uh chuck the chuck berry, chuck berry yeah yeah he Apparently had some very uh, bizarre tastes, some some sexually deviant uh, interests, and um, there's actually a tape of him, I guess it's just some girl, like some uh, escort or something, and they got him on tape going, smell my fart, <laughs> and, he, <laughs> and he's like farting into her face or some shit. Yeah, it's like, you can go on YouTube and search Chuck Berry. So it's
1: like the R. Kelly thing, but Yeah, with farts, yeah, with farts. Instead of peeing on you. Yeah,
0: yeah, you can go on YouTube and type Chuck Berry, far, you know, smell my fart, and it'll, it'll pop
1: up. That could be like the sequel the you could do a Chappelle show skit you know, and do you know? Yeah, unfortunately Chappelle is just uh you know, he's <laughs> yeah. doing
0: his own thing. He don't he don't
1: I wasn't really that big on his new stand up specials.
0: See the thing about this 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 is the thing about Dave Chappelle that a lot of people don't understand, who especially people who didn't grow up watching the Chappelle show. Um he's always been a stand up comic like first. And he's always done stand up, And when the Chappelle show came out, everyone saw this new side to him and, and everyone thought it was a shit. And it was, I mean, the Chappelle show for my money is one of the funniest sketch comedy shows ever. I mean, bar none for, for me personally. Yeah. Yeah. It is Um, for sure. On top of that, I believe it's the best selling, uh, DVD, um, set of all time as well. Um, for a comedy uh, series, but, um, so, like, everybody watched and re-watched those classic Chappelle show bits, and he kind of got, like, a lot of hype built up around him, I think, un-unwantingly, because he's mm-hmm. just a guy who likes to do comedy, and, you know, now he's, I'm Rick James, bitch, you know, or he's the black white supremacist or whatever, you know, whatever sketch you want to quote, you know, by him.
1: Well, Damon Wayans kind of ran into that, too, when he did In In Limit Color.
0: Yeah, you know, but I think with the internet age, you know, his Chappelle became like meme worthy, you know, he kind of became a meme and this, that and the other. So I think by the time he came back, because he was in hiding and he was just doing these kind of unpublicized shows around like L.A. and uh, the Laugh Factory and all that. So when he, you know, comes to Netflix with a special, there's like all this hype that it's going to be like the second coming of Christ, you know, for stand-up comedy. Yeah. And he's he's going in there and he's doing Dave Chappelle. He's doing the stand-up that yeah. he's always done. So I think people's expectations were just... Well, I
1: mean, I liked I liked the stand-up before. I, d- I just thought, you know, there were, there were some things that worked and some things I, d- I, I thought, you know... He just did a lot of theming stuff with some of his new ones. And I just, I just felt just do a regular set. You know, we don't need to have it like all be split into themes or whatever. But that's oh, just... yeah,
0: I don't like the whole like all the different parts, you know, just give me a just give me an hour special and I'll be good. But yeah, he broke it down and all yeah. he's like, oh, and he's in a small comedy club for this one. And he's on in front of a theater for this other one. It's like I, I didn't really. But that's that's all being I mean, Jesus Christ, the. The amount of comedy specials that are flooding Netflix now is just ridiculous. Like, every <laughs> yeah.
1: fucking stand-up comedian under the sun. Amy Schumer's Netflix special that got rid of their rating system. Like, can't even rate anything anymore because people just... Or totally just her dis- specifically? Yeah. No, not, nothing. You can't rate... There's no star rating. You can't rate anything anymore on Netflix.
0: Oh, well, are you saying it was because... Uh, like, what's her yeah, special or catalyst sure. in that? Oh, yeah. It was like... Negative ratings.
1: It was it was really bad. I kind of feel bad for her. I feel like she really. I feel to be honest. I mean, there's a lot of comics who steal jokes. She's not alone in that. And I I think that she has had some jokes that are unique. Yeah, but is that where the hate's really coming from, though?
0: I don't I don't think so.
1: But then again, she's honestly been pretty lazy with her comedy lately, anyway. So I think that's another thing. Um, and if you've seen the trailer for I Feel Pretty, her new film. Yeah. I can see why people are not fans of her or snatched. I
0: think I think that Amy Schumer was like an alt comic. Whatever you whatever that means to you, she was she was one of those alt comics in the vein of like a um like a Mark Marin or like a um what's his face? The guy who hosts a t- Daniel Tosh um yeah. You know, the, these
1: like But I, I but I always thought Tosh was funnier than Schumer. Really. Well, th- Honestly. They were all in that
0: same kind of category. So she was like, she was like, you know, one of the few alt comics that made it as big as she did. And I just don't think the mainstream public is ready for a sassy, sarcastic, you know, fuck you if you don't like me, you know, like foul mouthed yeah. comedian. You know, I don't
1: think the main. Well, also, I mean, she's, she's a lady. as another thing for some people, you know, because some people are still admittedly, there still are sexist people out there. I'm not trying to say if you don't like her, you're sexist. I'm just saying there are people who do have reasons like that. Like, you know, go back to the kitchen, you know, stop Right. You know, make a
0: And she's definitely taken that narrative and run with it. Yeah. At, like it like it's a golden goose. But it's gotten
1: a bit she's it's it's really gotten old. She just keeps talking about pussies and, you know, my pussy and whatever and all that. And that's just just not not funny anymore.
0: Well, you know, uh, anytime guys like say that like the the kind of the response is well men talk about their dicks
1: all the time in stand that's not really that funny either. right well <laughs> i it, <laughs> except rare instances like the Chappelle's scanned up where he's talking about the homeless guy well i think for me
0: like since i don't have a vagina like i i just don't find vagina jokes funny if i could re- if i had a vagina i could relate to it maybe i would find it
1: funnier um no i know there's a lot of uh, women i know that don't find it funny either they're just like enough i mean the
0: content of her her stand up uh, you know it it is what it is whatever she she said some funny shit she's she's got that real like i mean you got to be like young you got to be younger to get her brand of comedy it's very irreverent it's you know suicide jokes abortion jokes you know none of that's it's crazy that you it's
1: crazy you're standing up for sure
0: well, I'm not standing up for. Her. I, it's just be, the fact that I used to do stand up, and I've hung out with a lot of stand ups yeah. and shit. Like I know that world a lot better than a lot of people mm-hmm. than than your casual consumer of stand up
1: comedy would. And I, I I do I do feel she does get a, a, a you know a bit too much hate, but lately. She's been choosing some really bad movie projects. and Dude, they really all bad. do. They
0: all do. All stand-ups fa- They, I won't say all, but most stand-ups fall into that same trap. Dane Cook did it. Dane Cook had his rising star to fame in the mid-2000s. He put out a
1: fucking... You never heard of that guy. You don't hear anything about right, that guy nowadays. right. Exactly. Dane... Well, I think also people were accusing him of stealing jokes, and that's yeah, another thing. That I, I legitimately
0: think that's bullshit, that he stole Louis C.K.'s joke about an itchy having an itchy asshole. I think that's complete bullshit. <laughs> um, it, more than one comedian can come up with a premise about having an itchy asshole. Well,
1: yeah, Louis, Louis C.K. probably stole stuff. I mean, if you look, dig, I truly feel if you dig deep enough, you could probably find similarities with... Pretty much anybody's right? Set. I mean, the only exception I would
0: say being like Carlos Mencia, where like he's had. Oh yeah, that was like you know. I mean, they're just cut, cut and paste stand up comedian after stand. I mean, it was like known in the industry, the stand up mm-hmm. community that that Carlos Mencia steals jokes. End of story. Yeah, I
1: hope you guys are enjoying the stand up. <laughs> I know, dude. It's
0: whatever. <laughs> this was news. This is this was our fuck around. Uh, part of the podcast so so whatever
1: this could be (laughs) b-roll i don't
0: know but uh yeah yeah, but i mean like yeah let's talk about this farting. yeah okay true true (laughs) fair enough um so uh the the police end interview after suspect won't stop farting police in kansas were forced to stop an interrogation in september because the suspect wouldn't stop farting sean sykes jr was taken in for questioning over gun and drug charges but cops had to end the interview early due to his flatulence Local newspaper, the Kansas City Star, reported that Sykes, quote, leaned to one side of his chair and released a loud fart when when, ath- <laughs> when asked his address. Detectives wrote, Mr. Sykes continued to be flatulent and I ended the interview. Details have been released of his interview after he was brought in for questioning two months ago. He denied knowledge of the items and police decided to not to charge 24-year-old uh, the 24-year-old for intent to sell cocaine and being in possession of a firearm. Sykes was released but was pulled over a second time this month in Kansas City. During a, two, during a search of his car, Kansas police allegedly found a backpack <laughs> with drugs and two handguns in it. One of the guns, a uh, 357 Magnum, had been reported stolen a few days before. Sykes has now been charged with stolen firearm offenses and possession with intent to sell cocaine. The detective's report emerged during a uh, court appearance Sykes made on Monday. He is currently being held in custody until a bond can be set. (laughs) (laughs) They asked him his address and he just leaned to one side and released a loud fart. (laughs) That's my address, bitch. Next question. (laughs) I mean, at that point, the cops got you in there. They're going to be fucking with you and playing games with you. So, hey, why not fuck back with them, you know, <laughs> I guess, you know, I mean, you know, it's not like you're trying to impress a, a
1: prospective. Employer. I'm normally not a big fan of fart jokes, but that's fine. Uh, I mean, you know,
0: for me, it, 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 farts are funny to me. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> Blame it on my gender, whatever. You know, oh, you're such a guy. You know what? Yeah. I, well, it's
1: not just that. It's not a gender thing.
0: Well, you know the old saying that that that
1: guys you know f- are more into the toilet humor stuff. Speaking of toilet humor, there's was a nice way to end it, because the guy I, I think this guy got some of those sugar-free uh, gummy bears because he had explosive flatulence. These reviews are just hilarious. <laughs> They're great, and these are just this is just the tip of the iceberg or tip of the gummy bear. Eat if you dare. Well, 1st uh, well, sit exp- here writing this review. Explain
0: like what we're talking about. This is uh, on Amazon. This is a review for yeah. some Haribo sugar-free classic gummy yeah.
1: bears. Yeah. And these reviews are great. So I, I was, I, what I was mentioning earlier, saying I think that guy must have gotten some of these sugar-free gummy bears because <laughs> he's having explosive flatulence. So here's, some, here's one of the reviews. Eat if you dare. I sit here writing this review at 4 a.m. from my porcel- porcelain throne. A fixture you will become all too familiar with if you choose to eat these cute little bears from the pits of hell. I had to eat a pound of these little bastards after Man City must have thought they were playing American football the other week and lost it to a team of Arsenal scrubs. They were a bit of chewy overall, but appeared to be nothing more than your average gummy bears. After about two hours, a little more than some mild stomach cramps, feeling like one would expect from eating a pound of any candy, I began to wonder if I'd gotten some duds like the slow buildup of Martin Scorsese's film. However, these bears were waiting for their baptism scene to destroy my insides. It started with the cramping, very akin to doing 1,000 crunches and then being forced to hold the 1,001 first crunch indefinitely. <laughs> then came the initial run, which opened the proverbial floodgates. I'm over 30, and I'm beginning to wonder if these bears know, what they want, know that and want to send me back to the can For each year, I've been on this earth to make me wonder why I'd ever been born. In between gastrointestinal bouts of pressure washing the inside of my toilet from my anus, I lay in bed feeling as if someone were to punch me in the stomach, I'd explode, turning the walls of my bedroom into a soiled Jackson Pollock rendition. (laughs) To give you an idea, I'd spend $50 ordering a UFC pay-per-view only to willingly miss the last two to three fights on the main card because I didn't want to stray too far from my master bathroom. Thankfully for me and for my marriage, fearing what might be coming, I convinced my wife to spend the evening at my sister-in-law's, because trust me, fellas, nothing will be gained from your significant other experiencing this with you. (laughs) I am no longer in pain, but I'm still having to make trips back to my master bath on a regular basis. Eat these if you dare, but be forewarned. They are not to be trifled with unless you want your toilet to be a staging ground, for repeat fecal rehearsals of the red wedding from Game of Thrones. Oh my God,
0: that's hilarious. <laughs> the funny thing is, is like they have like forty-four percent uh five-star rating. Yeah, but apparently there's something you
1: can you can, there there you can read the one uh on a day that live, will live in infamy. Oh God, okay, yeah, we'll do that and
0: then we'll call it a call it yeah. call it quits uh forever. Um, this is how we're ending <laughs> the podcast for good. No, I'm just joking. Um. Oh, this is from Joshua too. Good, good <laughs> lord. Um, I sit here. I sit here writing this review at 4 a.m. From my porcelain. That's that's the oh, same oops. one. I read
1: that. Uh, a day that will live. In oh, this is a five star. Okay. Yeah.
0: It all started the day prior when my sugar tooth persuaded me to eat two handfuls of these sugar-free delights. Fast forward 15 hours, 23 minutes, and 44 seconds. The world shook. All hell broke loose inside me. A sudden headache. My skin began to perspire, and something tore around in my abdomen with force enough to make me latch onto my crotch with both hands and let out a sheer... Couch. uh, Couch (laughs) with both hands (laughs) and let out a sheer cry that sent my dog retreating into the bedroom. She probably knew the battle was already lost. I tried... I tried to make for the bathroom, but the pressure was so intense I had to wait it out on the couch until a lapse and the gut-busting occurred. Waited it out on the crotch. <laughs> and I regained control of my muscles. It, only, it took only moments before the volcano Mount Anus had blown its top. <laughs> the air quickly turned poisonous from the methane and sulfuric fumes that spewed forth. Violence and terror are understatements of what happened for the next 45 minutes. I sustained third-degree burns from contact with the lava that flowed abruptly from my bowels. My blood pressure was at record levels, and my body mass was reduced to by, reduced by four pounds. After ample ventilation of the crime scene, I quickly took a shower and changed clothes because the powerful fumes had soaked through the fabric and into the skin. I almost had a mental breakdown in the shower after realizing those little gummy bears had nearly defeated such a man that I thought I was. I can now hardly bear to look forward through the night, terrors, and PTSD that will come of this horrid event. Why did he give it five stars, then? All right, well, anyway, fuck. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you want more me and Mike, separate but equal, you can look us up on YouTube or on our respective YouTube channels. You can look Mike up, uh, youtube.com slash OCP Communications. Uh, Mm -hmm. What was the last movie that you reviewed,
1: Mike? Winchester. What'd you think of it? Disappointing. Is that pretty uh, forgettable, boring, um, uh, chock full of way too much bullshit jump scares and wasted potential. Some good things, but definitely I would not recommend going to see that in the theater. Wait. You can find me on YouTube,
0: uh, youtube.com dancingwithghosts dancing um, with ghosts. I do all kinds of stuff on there. You can find my uh, music. You can find, uh, I do video game reviews. I do music reviews my latest video I did was uh about how the rock band the legendary rock band Rush uh, have uh, essentially called it quits uh Alex Lifeson said in a 2000 uh, uh 2018 article it was January
1: 2018 I I mentioned that to one of my relatives and they were like it's about time <laughs> yeah I I basically go on in the video
0: about how I'm not upset Uh, I'm I'm not upset at the fact that Rush uh, has has finally called it quits. Uh, Now Rush is one of my favorite bands of all time, so it's like how could you be not upset about that, Josh? Well, go to my channel and find out. I, I break down exactly why I feel like it was the right time for Rush to Call it a day, and not just because of their old age. There's a, a bunch of other factors involved in that.
1: Well, their albums probably hadn't been good in a while, so that's another thing.
0: No, actually, um, their albums had been okay. They had been there were some alright ones there at the end. Um, their last album in particular was not good. Um But there were some other things, like they started I felt like they were kind of fleecing their fans uh after a while mm. with the constant greatest hits and remastered this and re reissued that and it just felt very um very kind of gross so i thought i go in more in depth about that if you're a rush fan you'll want to give that a watch so um yeah what we're shit a hour 48 now geez we we packed in some shit at the end there i hope you guys like this rambling mess literally um literally packed in some yeah yeah right (laughs) Uh, I think uh, the next few episodes we're going to be doing is uh, remastering, redoing our... Yes, remixes. Yeah, re- re- remix. It is a remix, technically, because it's not going to be the same content, but um, we're going to be redoing our first like few episodes because the quality, especially on episode two, where I was literally recording through a digital camera... I I was I was recording my audio and then I was getting Mike's audio, which was coming through speakers in my room. Uh, Yeah, it's 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 awful. It's so bad. My voice just died. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, we're at least going to do the first two. We might do more. But yeah, those are probably going to be. the. Yeah,
1: we're building up for uh, the Satanic Panic series, which we're 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 researching. Yeah, we're actually
0: reading the same book uh, like the nerds we are. So anyway,
1: that's Michelle remembers. Yeah, that's
0: all Tommy we got and for go too. for tonight. I know Mike wants to keep going,
1: um, but I I have no no. I'm done. Yeah. I <laughs> I got nothing else to say. All right, except uh, guys
0: for uh, for me and Mike.
1: We'll see you next
0: week. Goodbye. See ya. Pudding pop. What's up, everybody? Just wanted to remind you that my album Koi Anaskazi is still out for uh, purchase on CD. I got about 15 CDs left, so if you want an actual hard copy, you might want to get on that soon. Uh, I can sign it for you, whatever you want. I don't know if I'm going to do a second run on those or not, and the album digitally is available on iTunes and anywhere else where you can buy digital music. Thanks. Oh, no, I posted that picture of that uh, Blink-182 album, um, and for the B-roll, for those of you who don't know, I posted a picture on my Facebook of uh, Blink-182's first, not even their first real album, it was their first demo CD, um, called, they just entitled it Buddha, but I guess like when they became like a really big band, I guess the... Whatever label they used to be on, I believe it was Kung Fu Records, they thought it would be a good idea or it would be profitable. And they were probably right uh, in assuming to uh, re-release the demo. Um, so they released, I think, in like 2003. That's one of those CDs that I don't know how hard or easy it is to find, but I, I guarantee you, I have exactly 400 CDs at this point. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you, some of those those things will be either hard to find or worth money in the in the near future. Hmm. Because uh, I have quite a few CDs that are out of print, and you can't get them anywhere. And I don't know. I just I love CDs. I always have. Have you
1: uh, have you looked up the prices that they're going for in eBay and Amazon for some of them? Uh,
0: well, I have looked up uh, the prices there's this uh the band genesis they have like yeah. they, they released these box sets in like the late 2000s and uh-huh. um it, it was like they they broke it up into like three periods in their career it was like 1970 like it's like 1970 to 1975 was one box set like 1976 yeah. to 1980 i think one. you
1: showed one of the box sets in one of your videos probably on a...
0: yeah on the, yeah the physical media decline of physical media video i think but yeah anyway those those are actually worth a lot of money now like i kind of figured they would be but they're already like hard to find and and sought after so that's pretty cool
1: yeah that makes sense um so you're with CDs like I am with DVDs and other physical copies of movies and stuff.
0: So. Yeah, I recently <laughs> got into a fucking Facebook argument with some, uh, I'm calling them a douche not because they like vinyl, but because of how their attitude is so similar to every- Oh, so
1: it's similar, to, it's, so it's the same shit like you, you ranted about in that video. It just seems like it's just definitely hasn't changed apparently. Well, they're just going off about how like like they
0: they reposted this article that talking about how Best Buy is gonna stop selling CDs and they were yeah. and they were like about time vinyl or get out and I'm like that's such- <laughs> they're not
1: selling they're gonna sell vinyl in Best Buy either so oh <laughs>
0: uh, they they do now I don't know if they're gonna stop that they're probably they gonna-
1: probably will.
0: I I don't see I don't. His
1: CDs aren't selling. The vinyl wasn't selling. No, see, vinyl's a,
0: vinyl's trendy right now. Um, oh, so it's it's in vogue to buy to go with vinyl, and I've been doing my research on it. And there's it 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 comes down to sampling rates, and um, uh-huh. you know the waveform is isn't truly represented on a digital CD. As yeah. it is on the analog vinyl recording, but then there's also all this other shit that goes into it as well, and and it's such.
1: Well, a CD's still better than an MP3 usually. Oh yeah, for fl- sure. Unless it's FLAC or AUG or like a higher, you know. Yeah. Well,
0: yeah. A, grade, wa- a wave uh, file or something like that. Yeah. Wave and vinyl are pretty comparable, like wave files mm-hmm. or FLAC files. Any lossless uh, song file is comparable to vinyl, but. Yeah. Uh, the it, it, it the whole CD versus vinyl thing, the people who argue it are people who don't know why it's better. They just say, oh, well, scientists have proven it's better. And that, that argument annoys me because it's like, you're battling on a hill of ignorance because <laughs> it comes down to like these minute differences and these yeah. certain...
1: It's like you would barely even notice it. Probably
0: yeah, like if somebody was like this hardcore audiophile, and I yeah. and I knew they were, an and they audiophile. had like
1: super super expensive like Sennheiser headphones or some shit, yeah, or like some
0: can... awesome hi fi system yeah. or some shit, and they're telling me like, oh you know, this particular you know band, for this particular album, you have to listen to it on vinyl, blah blah. blah. I I could be because like, because it's
1: richer, it's got a richer deeper sound, yeah, on for... vinyl than it does on CD. And especially
0: yeah. for albums where it's like there's a lot of analog instruments like guitars uh, and
1: trumpets and well, shit. I guess that kind of makes sense that, you know, that would that would sound a little bit better. But I mean, with some of the newer the newer albums, I don't think they're going to sound any different. No, like the, the the new pop albums that they're releasing on vinyl. I don't think they're sounding any different than a CD.
0: No, it's it. But at the, at the point we're at now everything's so over compressed
1: and they probably might not produce these vinyls as like uh, the ones that are like the horror soundtrack albums probably are produced pretty, but I'm saying like some of the more mass produced ones probably are kind of cheap. I would guess I would really guess. No, you're, yeah, not.
0: you're right on the money with that. That's yeah, that's another thing. Like, cause um, a lot of these vinyl companies are marketing these 180 uh, gram vinyls and, and you know, mm-hmm. they're these real thick Vinyl records and everyone thinks thicker is better, but that's that's just not the fucking case uh, thickness more or less uh, is a um, aesthetic quality and that's about it. There's no There's no audio or kind of like bene- auditory benefit from having a thicker vinyl All it really does yeah. is, is it, it's weighing heavier on the record player So it's maybe it's more stable It maybe it might reduce any subtle vibrations but again, the people who are arguing vinyl is better than CD are, are nitwits who do not know these differences. <laughs> they, they just are repeating uh, uh, their platitudes, if I can use a fancy word for a moment. <laughs> they're, they're just spouting off these platitudes about how vinyl is better than CD. And, and it's just, it's like, shut the fuck up. You don't know what you're... <laughs> it's like every time I hear, I gotta... Every time someone tries to tell me that it's better, I have to argue with them because... They, they really need to, to show me their credentials as to, to what makes them qualified. It, it's
1: it's kind of like how I feel about uh, discussing sports. I know you don't care about sports, but it's the same sort of thing where somebody is like trying to be an armchair general manager and acting like they know all the answers. And they're saying, well, this head coach, Jason Garrett, needs to be fired. And I'm like, okay, who are you going to hire to replace him? Give me at least three uh, names. And almost every single time... None of these armchair general managers can do that, so they can't back up their their claims. Yeah, they just spout shit and say such and such, and something needs to happen. This guy needs to be fired uh, because of of you he, he didn't win in the playoffs or whatever, and so on. But they don't offer any solutions to it. They're just like fire him. Then what? <laughs> It's like it's the same thing with the vinyl and CD thing, right? It sounds like
0: yeah, it's it, it's true, and it, it's it. Look, if people just said, "Well, I like how I like how I they prefer
1: it," yeah, yeah, like I like how they look, I like how big they are, and or I like that for to me, it sounds a little bit better. I like the popping, you know, the whatever sort of, you know, I like how it sounds when I put it on the record, you know, the record and the player, and and so on and so forth. That's that's fine, you know? Because that's cool. a lot of
0: it comes down to that when it comes to vinyl versus CD. A lot of it comes down to, at the end of the day, they really just like taking it out of the sleeve and putting it on the record player. And to them, that feels like a more like visceral music experience yeah. than just
1: like, you know. It's like me going, well, Laserdisc is better than DVD. <laughs> Jeez, could you even make that argument? <laughs> Probably not. Well, some of them, yeah, I could maybe make the argument that some of the uh, later LDs were at least on par with the new DVDs. I could probably make that argument. um, But not the newer DVDs, but the when DVDs were new, like when they first came out, mm-hmm. that kind of new. Yeah, that's a, it's funny. that's actually
0: like parallels like when CDs first came out, because like essentially when CDs first came out, they were just pressed. They were recording onto the cd from vinyl so they weren't doing yeah. any remastering or remixing they were just yeah a
1: lot of the older cds yeah they're not really the best yeah they're like their audio yeah
0: if it if a cd came out in the 80s it, it probably sucks um nine times <laughs> nine times out of ten um you really you really do need to go back and and rebuy a lot of those like you know police i got the UHF soundtrack
1: recently but it was only two dollars so
0: <laughs> yeah well See, the thing with, like, comedy albums, like, I don't really think it matters, you know, if the sound (laughs) quality is amazing, because you're not really listening to it for, you know, the booming basses and the really, like, awesome highs and all that. You're listening to it for the laugh, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. It's funny, though, whenever all these like, you know, vinyl is so trendy now, like these these like EDM bands, these electronic bands will release a vinyl recording. It's like, oh, Uh you know, because these are such analog instruments, you know, these fake computers and synthesizers that aren't even
1: they make they make some nice music, though. Some of the I don't I don't look at the EDM bands. I look at uh, New Retro Wave. I think it's Retro New Wave or I I keep getting the mixed up how you say it. And it, this kind of 80s throwback music and instrumentals and well, yeah, I, I like, I like the
0: music. Work. I just like what I'm saying is it's just funny because like it's literally it's made digitally. So, yeah, it's meant to be heard. Digitally. I don't even bother
1: getting a vinyl. I just I buy the uncompressed MP3 from them or whatever. That's what I do. I buy their album, you know, in a P3 format. Yeah. So. All right. Let's, that's just just how I do it. Let's get into Powerful. the, the nitty
0: titty gritty committee
1: would have been nice to have an unsolved mysteries soundtrack on vinyl <laughs> yeah <laughs> <Or> cd <laughs> I,
0: you know now now they would probably have an audience for it but at the time they definitely wouldn't you know people wouldn't have bought that i don't think
1: yeah uh so what do you you want to do um do you want to save donovan for last you want me to start first or do you want to start what do you want to do
0: i i said i was covering uh Donovan, didn't I?
1: Yeah, I know. Do you want to do that first, or do you want to do what Uh, what order? (laughs) I guess we'll save that one for last. Okay. All right, I'll talk about Richard Self. No, Richard Ralph.